Well, I hope you come and join us on Easter next week. Um, I'll be here early hanging out with some yogurt and donuts. I don't eat donuts too often, but I'll eat one next week. So if any of you are on that same diet plan, join me. Um, we're going to start a new series next week that I want uh, Scott mentioned, but I just wanted to encourage you with um, called My Shepherd. And what we're going to be doing is next week I'll introduce the series on Easter Sunday. Jesus described himself as the good shepherd, who we celebrate. What we're really going to be doing is we're going to slow down, like really slow, for eight weeks, actually, all of the rest of April and all the way through May, through Psalm 23, a psalm that you probably know by heart, many of you, um, kind of verse by verse, sometimes phrase by phrase through that psalm, and to enter into what it means for us to really relate to God as our personal good shepherd. So I hope that you come back next week um, to join us for Easter as we kick that series off. This is the last part of this series, obviously, for starting a new one next week, called Normal Isn't Working. And here's where we've been so far. If you haven't been with us, I'll give you a review. We first asked, is my schedule normal? I got a lot of response from that, actually. I think some of you don't have normal schedules. That's why just like me, my schedule isn't normal, or at least it's not working. And what we covered is, if we're not careful with our schedule, if we're not really observant of it, it's really easy to have our schedules run by the tyranny of the urgent rather than by purposeful priorities. And we have to embrace our limits in order to do it well. We have to identify our priorities, and we do actually have to, even in North Dakota and Minnesota and Iceland, we have to learn to say no to some things that don't line up with God's priorities for our lives. And then the next week, um, uh, Seth spoke on, is my anxiety normal? That really spoke to me. Uh, he asked a question that was really helpful for me in thinking about my anxiety, which is, what is mine to control? What is mine? What, what can I control? And the honest truth is oftentimes it's a lot less than I want. And I'm anxious about stuff because I'm trying to have control or I think I might be able to get control over stuff I really can't. And he encouraged us to let anxiety be our ping to prayer, which is what I'll, I'll touch on that a little later as well. Then we talked about are my friends normal? Really are my friendships normal? And are they, do, are they bringing value to my life? Am I, are they making me better? And are they... Are they two-way? Do I sustain other people and do they sustain me? And so we're thinking about our friendships and really looking at ourselves in friendship. Am I that way in friends? Do I make my friends better? Am I sustaining them when they need me to? And is it a reciprocal situation? Last week, actually two weeks ago, we looked at is my family normal? And what I encourage you to do is to recognize that you and I you and I have patterns that have been passed down to us, that have been passed down to our parents and their parents. And one of the keys to experience all of what God wants us to experience in family is to recognize that there's patterns there. Some of them are great, good, lean into them, keep the momentum going type patterns. Others of them are, actually, it would be best for me and my family and future generations if we figured out a way to break that one. We're both there in Joshua 24 learning how to play the long game. God is patient. He plays the long game. The time frame for when we want things to happen in our family is 
pastor. God has a bigger, longer picture than we do, oftentimes. And that our life actually does reveal what we worship. And you can't control the outcome, but you can influence the trajectory. So that leaves us today. Am I normal? Are my life rhythms, are my patterns, are my habits, are my practices, are they normal? That's one question. And whatever normal is, is it working? Is it leading me, in other words? Next week, actually, my text is out of John 10, 10. And Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and life to the fuller. I have come that they might have abundant life. And what we're really asking in this whole series is, am I getting more of that in my schedule, family, friends, anxiety in myself? Do I have more abundant life in me? Am I flourishing and thriving? So, right out of co- after I graduated college, the first thing that I did is I went on a camping trip. Went to the Boundary Water, and it was going to be my last time to see some of these friends. And so we took a trip up to the Boundary Waters. I'd never been there before. My first trip, I've gone a couple of times now. And I had a guide, a friend, a dad's One of my friend's dad had been there like 15, 20, 30, 40 times. So, and on all kinds of different trips. It's a huge area, and there's lots of places to go. And so he gave a, I'd settled on, this is where we're going to go in, and we're going to do this kind of a trip. And so I'm, uh, I'm kind of this way. Like, I like to go where other people haven't been. Actually, that's why I was attracted to the Boundary Waters. You see some people, but it's very few. It's a wilderness area. It's only really accessible by canoe, and actually there's only even a few lakes up there that you can have a motor on. Um, you can get a portaged in. That's kind of the shortcut when you have. We actually got a free portage one time on a trip. Not this one, but another one where, you know, when the wind's blowing against you, and you have waves like this, and you're in a canoe, and you could make it, but the guy's like, well, I could give you a ride back. Take the ride back. <laughs> on this trip... My friend, uh, his name's Dale, told me about this lake. He said, there's not really a portage to this lake. Not very many people go there. I said, let's go there. He said, you can follow the little kind of stream that's mostly mud most years, and you'll have to get out, and you'll have to kind of make your way, look for broken branches. You might find a few other footprints to get to this lake. So I said, let's go there. And I didn't really give my fellow journeyers a choice. I said, this is where we're going today. And they, they followed along. No, they, I, would have, I wouldn't have responded if they said no. No, we're going. At least I am. You can stay if you want. I wanted to go to this, in my mind, unpristine lake of glory. Why not? Hardly anyone else goes there, and I could be there, one of the few people who do. So we paddled, we portaged, we bushwhacked, we sloshed, we tripped, we fell. Blood, sweat, maybe a little blood, tears. We had our eyes peeled for signs of this dirt trail that wasn't really there, but kind of was. Kind of like there must be some animals that travel along the rep, rep path of least resistance. Guys, sometimes trying to find the kind of life we want feels a little bit like, I think there's a path here somewhere. I think there's a way to get there. I've heard it's possible, but in the midst of it, you kind of wonder, like, is it really there? Is that, does that, those few broken branches, does that mean I go this way? Or does that mean, like, when I see the muddy path go this way? Which way is am I supposed to go? That can kind of be how it feels like in life. 
are we going to get to that hidden, abundant life that Jesus promised, kind of like that lake of glory that I was headed to? Today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, and I actually think there's some really practical but not complicated habits that can work for us, can actually get us to where we want in life, where our normal can feel like it's working. We're at least headed in that direction. I think I might get to that destination eventually. It's a familiar passage to many. Actually, Seth touched on it a little bit in his message three or four weeks ago. It's Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. And what we're looking for are some habits or rhythms or practices that work, that can work for us rather than against us. And actually, embedded in each of these, if you think about it, and I'll help you think about it because I did think about it this week, is an opposite habit that will work against you, prevent you from getting that kind of life. So let's look at Philippians 4, 4 through 9. We'll go through every verse uh, slowly. Here's the first verse. Philippians 4, 4, 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. In case you didn't catch it, Paul says, I will say it again, rejoice. That's a tough one. I I don't like it when there's always in the Bible because... They mean all the time. Or when it says never, that's always hard to get around. Like, I I kind of am a loophole looker. Where can I find the loophole? There's not much of a loophole in this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Here's the habit that I would challenge you to embrace, and that is to hunt for reasons to rejoice. And let me tell you, and you know this for sure in your life, Reasons for rejoice are kind of like trying to find that lake of glory that has a path, but I'm not sure. You have to have your eyes peeled for these. Reasons to find joy don't come as often as reasons to rant. Can I get a witness? Amen, brother? Are reasons to rant a little easier to find than reasons to rejoice? They are for me. Instead of collecting reasons to rant, you and I, if we want to experience that kind of life, have to look for, we have to hunt for reasons to rejoice. I'm proud of my wife. She did this a few weeks ago. Her mom got to go somewhere warm to see Andrea's sister, and her response was, Mom, I'm so happy you got to get away for a week in warmer weather to enjoy being with Allison, which is great. She's more positive usually than I am. I could find at least three reasons to rant about someone going to someplace warm, getting to do not work for a week. Is anybody, I actually know someone right now who's having Palm Sunday in more ways than one. It's Palm Sunday, and there's somewhere where there is palm branches, which means it's probably like 80 degrees warmer than here, right? Like, here's a reason to rant. It's cold. They got to get away. I didn't. Or they have time off to do something enjoyable and I don't. Here's the reality. Our life can be hard. Now this is, that, that instance is really just a little hard, but here's some other hards that are included in rejoice in the Lord always. You might be single and you really wish you weren't. Rejoice in the Lord always? Really? You might be married and you might be in the hardest season you've ever experienced of marriage. You might switch places with the single person for a day if you could, now and then. That's hard. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
You might be a student facing the hardest semester of your life and you're not sure if you'll make it through your program. You could be a parent and you're not sure if you will survive the toddler years or the teen years or any of them in between. It might seem like to you that everyone else that you look around you has a place to fit in life, but you feel like you stick out like sore thumb and you don't know where you fit. Maybe your job has never been less satisfying. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, not question mark. Friends, circumstances like this are real. We are surrounded by reasons to rant. A few years ago, I'm not really big on social media, and when I'm in, on social media is really not something I'm actively posting in, but the one thing that I actively posted anything in social media about, about three or four years ago, and it wasn't my idea, it was my wife's idea, was actually my idea to do it on social media, her idea to do it with her family. I said, hey, we should, we should share this. It was when we were all in lockdown. And uh, my wife had the idea, this is a hard time. Let's, she read something in the Psalms, one of the Psalms. She said, let's try to start every day with a song. Let's have a morning song. And so what our family did, different, sometimes all together, sometimes not, is we started every morning with a song for several weeks, and we did it a little bit less often as we got a little, it got a little bit hard to do it every day. A morning song, a little bit of a psalm. We sang a worship song. And I'll just tell you, I still have people ask me. I just had it happen two weeks ago. That thing you did, you should do it more. You should do it again. And here's why. If there's a place to find reasons to rant, it's online. Amen? You can find a lot of them. But what that was, and I didn't do it totally on purpose, it was partly on purpose, was it gave a little reason to rejoice in the midst of a whole lot of ranting. We need to look for them. Here's what 2 Corinthians 6.10 says. If you want to have a challenge for always rejoice, and I'm just sharing a phrase with you to point out the emphasis. It's the same person who wrote Philippians 4 wrote this. As grieving, yet always rejoicing. There's probably not a harder time you could think of to, greet, to rejoice than in the midst of grief. But he says the same phrase, always rejoicing. Christian joy, joy in Jesus, joy in Christ, reason to find joy can be found, can emerge in the hardest circumstances. I'm not saying it's easy. It's easier to find reasons to rant in the midst of hard, sad, disappointing lingering circumstances, we can, it's possible to hunt for reasons for joy. I don't watch a lot of TV either, but a personality on TV that I haven't watched much of, but I definitely resonate with him, is Dr. Phil. And I liked some of his sayings. I actually learned that his show's ending after 21 years of being uh, on TV. Here's, I'm going to share some some of his sayings, okay? This is, you, can, you can laugh at some of these. I love this one. Dr. Phil says, my dad used to tell me, boy, never miss a good chance to shut up. <laughs> Men, I'm taking that one to the bank. <clears throat> he says this sometimes when he's, he's, he's uh, trying to help somebody. 
who's talking about a problem or something they want to be different, and he says, your enthusiasm is underwhelming. The most you get is what you ask for. That's a nugget of wisdom. Sometimes you make the right decisions. Sometimes you make the decision right. That's a nugget. I like this one. You don't need a pack of wild horses to learn how to make a sandwich. Do you get it? If you don't get it, don't make a big deal out of something small. My favorite one by far is this, and you've probably heard it. As somebody's describing their struggle, their challenge, their relationship issue, and how they've tried to tackle it, he looks them in the eye and he says, how's that working for you? So how's that working for you? Let me ask you this, friends. Collecting reasons to rant, and they're everywhere, how's that working for you? What's it producing in you, out of your life? Can I tell you if you will decide to trade collecting reasons to rant for a hunt for reasons to rejoice, what will come? Because the next verse tells us in verse 5. It says this, let your graciousness, that word can also be translated gentleness. I wanted to give it there to you. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. What you will experience if you find reasons to rejoice is a nearness to Jesus that will cause you to have the quality of gentleness and graciousness. And uh, that's not my normal. I don't know about you. Gentleness is not my normal. It's not my normal. Now, I can be gentle. I'm learning to be gentle. God's changing me, so I'm a little more gentle than I used to be. Gracious, same thing. But when you choose to rejoice, delight in the Lord, express it out loud, you'll find joy. Here's what's more normal for me. Reasons to rant. How, do you, how does it, what comes out of you? Irritation? Impatience? Mr. Grumpy? That's what comes, that comes to me. That's what comes out of me. This can be my normal. I'm going to tell you it doesn't work. It's not working for me. So, is it working for you? Is it working for you? We can choose to hunt for reasons to rejoice. That's the longest point this morning, by the way. I think it's maybe the most important one, and it actually overlaps with almost every other one that I'm going to share this morning. But here's the second habit in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, Seth gave a whole message about this on anxiety. Is my anxiety normal? If you didn't listen to it, and you resonate at all with having anxiety, go listen to that message. It's online. You can get it on a podcast. It's really, really helpful and practical. Here is the habit. Uh, it's really just a rephrasing of what Seth encouraged us to do. Pause to pray. When anxiety comes, pause to pray. Instead of circling around your fears and your anxieties and your worries, because that's what we do, right? I actually haven't been sleeping all that well lately, and I can tell you the reason why is I wake up circling around something. My mind is circling, and I'll just tell you, it's, I'm, actually, I'm really frustrated about it. Please pray for me. If you want to think of just pray, I could sleep. Pray that I could pray, offer whatever's on. It's usually not even that big of a thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, this 
potential relational rift that I'm not sure I'll survive or anything like that or that I, we're under dire financial circumstances. It's just some little things that I, my mind is just circling around. Pause to pray. I'm trying to do this, and I wake up in the morning. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. That's one of my rhythm prayers. I give everyone and everything to you. Pause to pray. What's normal when we have anxieties, we just circle around it, whether it's in the middle of the night, whether it's during the day. We just think around and around and around it. Here's what you can do to stop. When you're in your anxious state, or maybe I'll even just give you permission, get yourself into an anxious state. I won't say that very often here. But then write down what you're anxious about. Just get it on paper. And be as guttural and honest as you can and get the list as long as you can. Don't like say, oh no, I'm not really worried about that. No, 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 no. Anything that you're sort of worried about, okay? Just get like the biggest list. Just, this is just your passport to worry, okay? Just everything you can worry that or could possibly worry about. Put it on paper. And then read it. And then present it to God with two questions. This is very similar to what Seth heard. Ask this question. What on this list, God, is for me to do anything about? And what on this list is only yours? And the list that is for you to do, God speaks like you can do something. Because sometimes it is, right? You can go talk to that person that you're irritated with and apologize or make something right. Or you can do a couple of those tasks that you're worried about doing. But some of it, a lot of my list isn't. So one, what's for you to do? Just put it on a to-do list. And do one or two things. The other stuff, put it on a prayer list and leave it there. Don't put it on your list. Prayer list, to-do list. Separate them out. It can be really, really helpful. And what will happen when you present both of these lists to you? God, I might not be able to do everything on this list as soon as I want. God, there's a lot on this list that is only on your to-do list. I can't do anything about it. The next verse tells us what we'll experience when we do that. When you present it all to God, verse 7 says this. This is what we want. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard. Think like a soldier or a prison guard will watch over and make sure that you stay in God's peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus present it all to God present it all to God okay before we move on i got to back up to verse 6 cuz there's one more habit that's embedded here one is pause to pray instead of circling around your fears and i'm just going to focus on one phrase don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So let's just pause on that one. Here's the third habit you can do is gather up gratitude instead of giving into comparing and complaining. Instead of giving into that. That's easy to do too, isn't it? Give into complaining about something or comparing yourself to something that you don't have or don't want. I think of it like this. In order to, this is my application by the way. I'm, I, I used to, write 10 gratitudes down every day very regularly. And I opened up that journal this week, and it was like 
embarrassing amount of time since I wrote in it, and then the time before that, the, like, the last several dates were like embarrassing amount of times when I'm going to encourage you to do this, okay? So I'm just being honest with you. I'm preaching to me right now, okay? I need to squeeze every gratitude that I can out of life because it's really easy for me to complain about my life. And one way to do that is just to start the morning with writing down a couple of things, 10 things that I'm grateful for. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, written by the same person to Paul as this, this letter in Philippians, he says this, give thanks in everything. And by the way, don't misunderstand it. Give thanks in everything doesn't mean give thanks for everything. There's tough stuff you don't have to give thanks for necessarily, although I think once you get into this gratitude journey, you'll find more to give thanks for than you might realize, even things you would not have chosen to say thank you for in the past. But really, in the midst of anything, gather up gratitude, I think is the essential point, is gather up gratitude. Gather up gratitude. Whatever you do, try to gather them up. A practical you could do is join me. Ten attitudes a morning. Or if that's like, I don't think I could even do that for three, one, just start anywhere, however small you want to. I think that might change you and me. Rather than complaining or comparing, maybe even when you're tempted to complain or compare things, write down or list out loud three things that I am grateful for. Okay, let's move on to verse 8, Philippians chapter 4. This is our last Second last verse this morning. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That word dwell is like live, abide. Put your roots down into it. Dwell on these things. And I'm just summarizing this whole list, which is really good to think about, but with this habit is satisfy yourself with true goodness, really truth andness, good truth. Anything that would be on this list, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, admirable, really excellent, praiseworthy, instead of, and here's where we're tempted, to thoughtlessly consume what distracts us. Doesn't lead to satisfaction doesn't lead me to satisfaction. That's what I, that's what I like to, I, I tend to do. When I'm sort of like a little overwhelmed, you know, for me, if you look at my search history or my whatever I look, open up my phone, you'll just notice that I just like distract myself with whatever's going on in the sports world like 15 times a day. And it doesn't change, by the way, usually like from like 10 a.m. to like 12 o'clock, like there's really not like usually much that's happening. But that's what, that's, that's what habit that I have. And it's not a big deal. I'm not like sitting on there for like three hours or anything. But our tendency, rather than to find satisfaction in something good, true, right, honorable, is just distract yourself. Now, I'm not saying taking a break at all here and there isn't, a, isn't, isn't a, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's totally fine to just take a mental break and allow yourself to, to get distracted. But you and I all know that those distractions are really addicting. And if we're not careful, we're actually depending on them to get us through or satisfy something in us that they can't satisfy, right? We all know this. We've experienced it ourselves. So here's the practical tip. Just trade. I'm going to say it a bunch of different ways. Trade 
for some scripture. And I'm not saying all you're scrolling for scripture, just some, five minutes, ten minutes. Something that is good, helpful, true, honorable, that will lift you up, that actually has a potential to satisfy you. Now, I'll just say this. If you decide to get healthy and you live on junk food most of the time, uh, I'll just tell you salad tastes really bad. It takes a while before you want to eat it. Just, you, you're laughing because you've done this, right? It's the same way when it comes to mental food. When I've been living more on junk food, my taste for what actually is supposed to satisfy and sustain me, it just isn't there. It takes a while to develop. So you say, ah, it's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for you to trade scrolling for scripture. At first, you have to keep eating your vegetables. And then you might actually start to want it more. I've found that to be true for me. Listen to something that lifts you, fills you with something good. Watch something that fills you with something good, true, honorable, or pure. Read something. It doesn't have to be the Bible. There's so many good books out there of people who are trying to help folks like us grow and encounter God. Do something. Okay, do you got it? Scripture, listen, watch, read, do. The list is long. Okay, now, I'm going to wrap it up here. Here's what can be normal for me. Maybe you resonate. Collecting reasons to rant. Circling around my anxieties. Giving in to comparing or complaining and thoughtlessly consuming what distracts. Guys, if that's you, like it has been me at times, how's that working for you? Is it? Is it working? I'm just going to tell you, for me, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What is better is to hunt for reasons to rejoice, pause to pray, Gather up every gratitude you can and satisfy yourself with truth and goodness. We made it to the lake, by the way, in the Boundary Waters. And it was what I hoped for. No one else was there. The sun came out. It was pristine. We caught all kinds of fish. I was there with friends. We were enjoying the beauty of God's creation. Friends, God's abundant life is available too. And you can get there and I can get there. Here's the last verse of Philippians 4. 4.9, it says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and here's the promise, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying, put this into practice, not just this, but of course a lot more that he wrote, and you're going to experience God's presence in your life more consistently. The God who said, I am am the way, the truth, and the life. The God who said, Jesus who said, I have come to give you abundant life. He will be with you, sharing all of that abundance with you. Let's stand for closing prayer and invite God to be present in our lives in this way that he would empower us, that he would empower us to put it in, into practice, his word, so that we might be able to experience his presence day by day hour by hour. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came, that you came to give us abundant life, that there is a way to get there. It's not always easy. It's been hard for me. It's hard for many of us, but it's worth it. Lord, give us your grace to hunt for reasons for rejoice when we 
It's so much easier to collect reasons to rant. Lord, give us your grace to gather attitude. Hey, when it's so much easier to circle around our anxiety or to give in to comparing and complaining. Lord, give us your grace to satisfy our souls with truth and goodness when it's so much easier to dis- consume what would distract us. Lord, you're the source of life. You're the source of the life that we want. Pray that we would enter into that life with you. Give us your grace to do that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.